I know this rose will open. I know my fear will burn away, and I know my soul will furl its wings. I know this rose will open. Part of that song, I believe, speaks to a thing that we call expectations. You know, we all have expectations about our experiences, expectations of others, expectations of ourselves, and sometimes we even have an idea that things, life, or other people should be the way we want them to be, not as the way that they are. Alice Waters, a famous chef, shares the following story. I had finally begun to relax a bit. We were en route to Pennsylvania. My friend, Jenny, a formal part of our family, was visiting. And we decided to visit a crayon factory as it was the perfect winter outing for our young children. The day was clear and crisp with typical bumper-to-bumper traffic for northern New Jersey. And I adjusted the radio station when my eyes caught the approaching car in my rearview mirror. Too close to my bumper, I had to hit the brakes because the cars in front were slowing down. We stopped, and the car behind edged even closer to my bumper. Seriously, although I probably had said some other words that weren't nice, (laughs) my friend was jarred. I had become accustomed to Jersey drivers, the honking, occasional yelling, sometimes a gesture or two. At first, it was a shock. I came from North Carolina, and drivers there refused to blow a horn when they ought to blow it. But good grief, this minivan behind me, I could hold a deck of cards to my bumper. Then the honking started. Okay, okay, I said, just pass me. I shouted as my son echoed, okay, okay from the back seat, as if negotiating a cookie swap with his sibling. The Navy minivan moved between lanes, jockeying towards the lane beside me as traffic started moving again. So now they're going to pass me on the right. Whatever, the minivan approached. I could see the man had rolled down the window on the driver's side, and his arm was already out of the window. I braced myself for a gesture. As the car passed, he made a sign and shouted, Justice! The man was smiling broadly. I raised my eyebrows in complete confusion. What the heck? It took my friend from the state of North Carolina to remind me that I was driving a car that had a sticker, Black Lives Matter. Sometimes people surprise you. Sometimes our expectations are wholly insufficient. So I'd like to illustrate how you can let go of expectations. Imagine you are holding a precious, fragile object in your hand that represents your expectations. If you let go of it, it will smash to the ground, breaking into smithereens. But imagine you're holding it palm upwards. You open your hand 
and the object stays where it is. The expectation, if you like, is still there, but you are no longer attached to it. It is the attachment to the expectation or need that is the problem, not the expectation itself. So what do we do to replace that expectation with? Two things, curiosity, Imagine, just be curious what will happen if you let go of an expectation that someone will be or act in a certain way and then see how they respond. Or accept that circumstances turn out the way that perhaps they were always going to. Two, intention. It's fine to attend that some event will turn out the way you want it, for me, attending to hit a golf ball on the golf course into a hole in one is I'm expecting, sometimes even demanding it, but you know, intention is all about the personal mindset. I experienced expectation and intention firsthand one summer when I had gone home to Chicago to work a summer job. And I was told that a friend of a friend had a job at the Avon factory. And it was a good job for a college student. So of course, good job, good pay, good opportunity, good hours. All that was somewhat true. And I went there with a great sense of expectation. This was Avon. This was going to be a great adventure. My friend and I started our great adventure as we met Jenny, who was a large German woman who spoke with a German accent. And as she said, oh, our job was to watch the production line and look for lipstick that was, had not really quite made it, it was malinformed or whatever, and then to take this stick and to push it off. And of course we would be doing this for eight hours and there was no talking. And to make matters worse, she walked the line. And so, my expectation of this fantastic summer job had been crushed and I had to look at the intention, my mindset. How can I make this into an experience that I'll never forget, which is true, I've never forgotten it. <laughs> but what can I learn? And so as the summer went on, as each day we crossed off the calendar how many more days we'd have to endure this job, I knew that there was going to be an end. And as we came to our last day, our supervisor said, you young man are the best ever. <laughs> Which we responded, thank you. <laughs> When I think about that experience, I'm sure that it provi provided me with an opportunity years later 
When I accepted the opportunity to serve as the interim minister to the Cape Town Unitarian Congregation in Cape Town, South Africa. And one of the most exciting, challenging times is when a minister meets the members of the congregation for the very first time. I can remember back a few months ago when I experienced that very thing here with all of you. And I had spoken to many of the members of the congregation by way of Zoom, but now I'd have the opportunity to meet them face to face. And many thoughts flooded through my mind that Sunday morning. What would they be like? What are they expecting? These and many more raced through my mind in a rapid succession like a quickly moving kaleidoscope. My partner and I arrived at the church a whole hour before services were to begin, and we found the church all locked up. Immediately thoughts of, did we miss something? Do we have the right place? Is it the right time? Etc. And we started walking away, and my phone buzzed to indicate that a text message had just arrived. I read the text and was told that Shelley, the president of the board, would be there shortly and to meet her in the coffee shop around the corner. Jerry and I made our way to the shop. I ordered a cappuccino, Jerry a juice, and Shelley soon arrived and informed how the service would unfold. I was informed that after the offering, I would be introduced and then be expected to share with the assembled members the thoughts, hopes, and dreams and expectations that were on my heart and in my mind. The three of us paid for our coffees and other items and made our way around the corner to the church. The Unitarian Church was establishing and celebrating its 150th year and had been there in their present building all but the first four years of their existence. I walked up to the building that morning and stopped and observed it up close and from across the street. A feeling of awe and wonderment filled my being as I wondered about those who had gathered in this building over the years and the lives that they had lived. I wondered about the leaders, both ministers and lay, who had guided, directed, and kept the congregation together. With humility, I stopped and took a short breath. I would be another mark on the rich history of this congregation. And I wondered what challenges, expectations, and experiences awaited me. I crossed the street and entered the building and I immediately felt a sense of peace and comfort. I knew I was standing in a place where lives had been changed, where comfort had been offered, where people from all cultures, ethnic backgrounds had come together as a faith community. I was overcome with emotion as I realized the significance of my call and the opportunity to serve this congregation. The building was not large, but as I stood there for the first time that morning, I felt the presence of those who had served and of those members who understood what it means to be concerned for the worth and dignity of all people. I made my way to a seat a few rows from the pulpit and sat down, and the place quickly filled, and my moment of introduction was about to begin. I don't remember much what transpired that morning, 
But I do recall my name being announced and being asked to make my way to the pulpit to address the congregation. When I looked out, I saw the faces of many cultural backgrounds and nationalities. I was the minority in the room. And this was a new feeling and experience for me. I was also one of the very few Americans that were there that day. My mind quickly searched for words and somehow I found them. And much of what I said that day, I don't remember. But I do remember telling the congregation that starting this day, I was inviting each of them to join me on a journey of expectation, of discovery. And I shared with them my excitement of being called and pledged that I would not disappoint them. Much after that is all a blur, except my closing words, which are all about the importance of community of faith that offers a place of comfort, a place of peace, and a place of being. I finished speaking, sat down, and realized that my South African ministry had begun, full of expectations, curiosity, and intentions. So, what about here in Peoria? What are some of your expectations as we approach this coming church year? What are some of your expectations as you have the opportunity now to participate in a survey, to attend cottage meetings, to hear your voice, and to share your ideas? We are all consumers of expectations. They're easy to come by, sometimes from parents, family, friends, the media, and many are self-created. Maybe it's to be successful, to get married, to have children, to look good, make a difference, please others. And the list is endless. Never have expectations been so high in terms of what humans are capable of. And this creates a paradox of opportunity and pressure when we realize that expectations can sometimes lead to disappointment. Expectations are pervasive in our lives, and most of us are conditioned to be driven by them and attempt to realize them. But we didn't start out that way. You know, we're born in a state of, of pure love, pure innocence. And when you're born, there's only these truths. You're whole, you're complete, there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. You're worthy and deserving, and you are part of this universe. And you are connected. And then we get older. And things happen that move us out of love and into fear, and sometimes someone might criticize you, and you only get praise for your accomplishment. Someone left or wasn't there for you. You saw people fighting or got yelled at. Your heart got broken. You were told your dreams were impossible, and you felt incredible pressure to succeed, you got rejected, you made a mistake, you judged yourself a failure, and I could go on and on and on as we compare ourselves to others. And maybe you had a blissful childhood and you grew up expecting that adult world would be the same way, and the moment you got your first reality check in the form of a disappointment was the moment that you moved into fear. When in the grip of fear, we experience disconnection and a sense of emptiness. 
And the voice of our ego and the voices of others become much louder than our inner voice and the spirit. And we begin to feel alone and separate. To manage the disconnection, we start to be driven by what we expect will make us feel loved again. To fill the emptiness, we create expectations of what we believe will fulfill us. And as we fail to live with expectations, then they become our compass, which often navigates us into a myriad of undesirable feelings, thoughts, and responses. When one or a combination of the following occurs, such as things don't turn out the way you thought or planned or wanted them to, things do turn out according to your plans and desires, but you don't fulfill, you don't feel the fulfillment that you expected, or an undesired, unexpected event occurs that conflicts with what you wanted or planned. Think about the thoughts you have when your expectation leads to disappointment. Are you able to direct those thoughts? Are they positive, uplifting, and calming? Do you keep in the present moment? The answer to most of these questions is most likely no. Our mind either takes us to a past we want to change or to a future that we are worried about. And it can be challenging, sometimes impossible, to redirect our thoughts. And the vast majority of how we operate is the story that we continually tell ourselves. And the beliefs that make up our story become the operating system and determines the way that we think and sometimes act and respond. When one door closes, another door opens. And we've heard this phrase, but so often we look so longingly and so regretfully upon the closed door that we do not see the one that is opening for us. So, before you get create, create new results in your life, you need to get familiar with the old story that you've been carrying around like that old backpack for decades. Isn't it getting heavy? Isn't it time to release that? When our expectation leads to disappointments, the only certainty we can find is in the judgment we have of ourselves. We can look back at what we did that got us to the unexpected place we're in and blame ourselves. We all have that inner critic who says things like, I'm not good enough, it's my fault, I should be doing more, I'm a failure, I'm not worthy, I need to be thinner, everyone else is better than me. And so, what I am suggesting, that as when you come up across that, the effective route back to getting to that present moment is to stop, to take a deep breath. So let's try it right now. Everyone take a deep breath and then blow that breath out. And 
allow your mind to settle in your expectations in your disappointments to fade away. Meditation can be a way to practice being in the present moment, but some say, I can't meditate, I've tried, and I cannot stop my thoughts. But remember this, the purpose of meditation is not to have no thoughts. The purpose is to be mindful of how you respond to your thoughts. The Bible is full of stories about people who suffered from false expectations. Joseph never expected his brother's rejection when he told them his dreams. Moses never imagined he would walk through 40 years of exile when he tried to respond to the call on his life. And so I ask each of you today, what are your expectations? What are your disappointments? How do you handle them? In the words of Maya Angelou, I believe we can begin to find an answer. And I quote, The thing to do, it seems to me, is to prepare yourself so you can be a rainbow in someone else's cloud. Somebody who may not look like you may not call God the same name that you call God, if they call God at all may not dance your dances or speak your language, but be a blessing to somebody. May each of you be a rainbow in someone else's cloud, and in so be a blessing to somebody. As in the song, I know this rose will open I know my fear will burn away. I know my soul will furl its wings. I know this rose will open. May you have your rose open and may you be a blessing to others. May it be so.